So let me tell you this story. So I started playing the keyboard because this is this is a grab your coffee story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we gonna take sips. I started playing the keyboard because this girl I liked was in the jazz band, mm. and they needed another keyboard player. And I was sitting in the band room one day, and Mr. Stewart was like, "Yeah, we needed a keyboard player. You know, Michael White. You know any other keyboard players?" And I was like, "Oh man, Tanya play keyboard." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I know another keyboard player. Me. I ain't never touched keyboard in my life." Brand new season of the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thank you so much for checking out 40 Lessons. Every Tuesday during the season, we got a brand new episode for you. Some great conversations with some wonderful people throughout the city of Richmond, Virginia. Getting it started this week, you heard a little bit in the intro from Micah Bam Bam White. Micah Joined the podcast with me, had a great conversation, which you will hear in just a moment. Micah spent over 20 years in the entertainment industry as a stand-up comedian, host, and philanthropist. He's performed all around the world, four different countries, 80 cities. This guy's been all over the place doing it for a real long time. But more than that, more than just a comedian, he's also the founder of RBA Has Talent, which creates collaborations between local artists and nonprofits in the greater Richmond community. So let's get into it. This is my conversation with Micah Bam Bam White. After that conversation, I'm going to tell you about the event spotlight for the podcast, which is October. You'll learn a little bit more about that after this conversation with Micah Bam Bam White right here on 40 Lessons. Micah White. What's happening? Thank you. Todd. Man. <laughs> Thank you, bro. You're welcome, man. Thank Thanks you for asking me, bro. Look, first of all, um, you survived traffic. Man, to get here, you know, you know, how sometimes you last night I was really anticipating this week and I'm like, man, it's going to be a dope week. Right. I'm telling a friend of mine about everything I got going on this week. All the things. And then it started the way that it started. Yeah. Wake up. Got to go to my girl's house to get something that I left for a meeting I got after this. Mm-hmm. Get there. She mad. So you got you to gotta have a 10 minute argument about <laughs> nothing. <laughs> then get on the freeway. And I'm like, why is my GPS taking me? Uh, it was taking me 895. I'm like, that's, why the, that's, the wrong lo- that's not where I am. I know it's not where you are. I'm here. And, and bruh, man. then when I finally went the way I thought I was supposed to go, it's an accident on the freeway. Then I finally get past the accident, then I realized why it was taking me 895 because I was going to Henrico. <laughs> so, but here I am, brother. I'm, I am glad you made it. Yeah. You know, we, sometimes I say to myself, things start off crazy. That way everything else can be smooth. That's right. Get the crazy out the way. Get early. the crazy out the way. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. Get the crazy out the way. <laughs> Uh, we are recording this over at Gather. Shout out to Gather Arts District. Shout out to Gather. What's going on, James? And, What's um, going on, Dave? Th- this space, as you know, I started when I turned 40. Mm-hmm. Super significant for me Yeah. to make it to this point in life. And my hope was I have learned a few things. Okay, I hope so. I hope so. That yeah. was my hope. That I've learned a few things, wrote some things down, and kind of created this space to talk about some of the things that I've learned and I think mm. of you in a similar way. Man. You, the number of conversations that you and I have had, <laughs> <laughs> when we reflect back on this journey, life lessons, like and, who we are, yeah. yeah, who we've been, yes, and but who we're becoming, right? And and I want to go I, to get this started. I want to go all the way back. Okay, all the way back. All right, your very first appearance. Okay, I'm talking about when you emerged in the earth, the very first time. You appeared. Okay. What well, was what was what was happening? Is 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 it the white family? Well is okay. it so when you emerge in the earth, like what's going on? When I was when I was birthed and I saw light for the first time, I was at Cooper Green Hospital, mm-hmm. September twentieth, nineteen seventy five, at six thirty in the morning. Wow. And I was born, if I could be transparent, to a drug addict. Mm. So I was uh, went through a lot of emergency processes, if wow. you will, and then um, I was born with a bunch of disabilities and kind of crap. Um, and then my grandmother decided to adopt me. So before that even happened, my mother at the time was in a relationship with another woman, and 
I was about a couple of weeks old, mm-hmm. and they were about to take me to a party, and that woman's mother wouldn't let me go. So then that mother's that woman's mother took me in. Well, my mother and her broke up. Then, but then this lady was still raising me. So I'm yeah. raised by this family that wasn't even my family. Then wow. my grandmother came in and she yeah. adopted me. Um, and then so I started to become raised by two families. Uh, my pops was um, just turned went military. So my parents did get married when I was one years old, but that it that didn't, didn't last very long. That didn't last very long. Uh, was pops around? Pops was pops was around. Pops was he wasn't present, but he was. He was known. Like okay. he, he 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 was military. He was young, so he was trying to figure life out, his doggone self. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like I'm running away from my kid type thing. It was like I gotta go do something productive in life because being a mechanic ain't gonna help me raise no child. Yeah. So um so Pops was cool, he was around. And then um fast forward, get to high school. I mean, of course you got that life, there's a lot that goes on with, with that. Many, 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 many stories. But then I got to high school and met this uh, Started playing volleyball, met this white family um, through volleyball. They kind of took me in. So then I became raised by three families, two Jeez. black families, one white family. Um, so I would spend my weekends playing volleyball, okay. vacationing with them, the, the white family, uh, and color, not my last name. <laughs> right. Uh, vacationing with them. Religiously, I would say the Garrett family, which was the first family that started to raise me. Mm-hmm. That's where I got a lot of my religion and, and spiritual beliefs and mm-hmm. background from. And then my grandmother was the practical one. You know, she was the one that never really said yes or no, but just make you think things out. Yeah. I think she had raised so many kids. She had raised seven kids herself, plus their kids that were my older cousins. So she knew you can't tell a kid yes or no. You have to help a kid think through the process of why they're making decisions that That's they're making. different. Yeah. So now, that, I was raised yes and no. Yeah. Probably more no. <laughs> than yeah. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. My 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 mother was it was discipline and order, which was the exact opposite of my dad. Got my it. dad was chaos. Okay. Chaos, inconsistency. You okay. didn't know what was coming. You didn't know if he was coming home. <laughs> if he was, what time? Was he going to be sober or not? Yeah, 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 chaos. yeah. yeah Just yeah, chaos. Yeah, yeah. And my mom, she she's order. She's discipline. You come home this time. You do this this time. It's and no. Yeah. <laughs> Mama cannot know. No. Before Can you I, even finish the question. Don't even ask. Because I already before know. Before we go to the do store, <laughs> don't you open your mouth to ask for, for nothing. nothing. Yeah. So that's a that's a very different philosophy. Yeah, my grandmother. Right. Um, how many how many siblings do you have? I'm the only one. So, I think that's it. Again, I, my grandmother probably was that way with the first child, and then she learned. But then, as life and kids, at the kid, at the grandkid, at the grandkid came along, she was like, "All right, yeah, you're, you're not going to control a human." Were there you other know? kids in the house with you? Like, so my cousins, cousins. Yeah, my cousins. Yeah, um, my cousins. My cousin Deidre. Uh, my cousin Ernest, my cousin Cornelius, my cousin uh, Janine, Lolita, um, and Didi, and Keisha. We were the seven that were primarily raised yeah. together. But I have 73 first, second, and third cousins. You say 73? No, 70, 79. First, That's second, and third almost cousins. almost 80. Yeah. Mm. yeah. When my grandmother died, they tried to count them, and that, that was the number wow. they came up. So now, since then... Like four or five more kids have been born. So I, we are in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know everybody's name. Like, <laughs> you can't. It's eighty. No, nah, it's impossible. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um. Are, were they were they cousins to you, or were they were they brothers and sisters to you? Like, did you know? Did you were you fully aware? So that's my grandma. These are my cousins. Yeah. Yeah. I was fully aware. Um. Um. You know, my grandmother. You know, it's, it's it's only one major secret that was kept from me that I found out when I was like 34. But, you know, a lot of families have those secret? secrets. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, but it was one major secret. But as far as like my, my family dynamics, as far as my cousins were concerned, um, yeah, I knew who they were. I knew they yeah. were my cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but my grandmother, she was like the babysitter of the family. So everybody would bring the kids to my grandmother's house. The working class that was around would bring the kids to my grandmother's where, house. Where is this? Where city is this? Birmingham, it? Alabama. Okay. All right. Dirty South. I have n- I've never been to Alabama. Uh, do yourself a favor. I, I grew up afraid. 
of Alabama. Yeah. Like that's a lot of people. S O U F. Yeah. South. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I think what was Alabama and Richmond are identical cities. Identical. Um, UAB, VCU. Mm-hmm. UAB, we finally got a football team uh, where VCU may get one one day, but mm-hmm. it was that same basketball sure. world. Um, Birmingham Barons, Richmond Flying Squirrels. Mm-hmm. Same difference. Yeah. Um, med school, med school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got Sanford, U of R. Mm-hmm. It's the same city. Yeah. Um, Population is um, approximately the same. Um, but what I'll say is there's probably, I experienced more racism in Richmond in one year than I experienced my whole 21 mm-hmm. years in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. That is what's crazy. I can see that. Yeah. So so when you think Just about it, like you say. 15 years here. Yeah. Like yeah. when you think about it, you would say, man, I'm scared of Alabama. Sure. And I'm like, you live in Richmond, dog. You good. <laughs> Come on down. Now, don't get me wrong. There's places in Alabama that a man, a black man or a white man that ain't racist should never go. Sure. Um, but as far as the whole scope of Alabama, what's, what happens is it was like Dr. King got shot, and then that was the end of history in the South. Mm-hmm. So all you have is that those factors to think about yeah. when it comes to the South. Um, now, people in Alabama, it ain't but one place in the South people don't go that's even from the South. Mississippi. Mississippi. You don't go Mississippi. <laughs> you do not go Mississippi. Is your is your grandmother's voice the one that you hear? When you're when you are thinking about right, wrong, like is that that voice that you maybe still hear or heard when you were about to act up, you were on the yeah. road somewhere? Was it her voice that I wouldn't say her voice, but her emotion. Hmm. Is what I feel. Yeah. You know, the reason I kind of stayed out of big trouble wasn't because I was a, a, I was necessarily afraid. I was afraid of my grandmama being hurt. You hmm. know, it, so it wasn't like even if she was angry with me and whooped me, that was one thing. Sure. But the worst feeling I'd never forget I ever got in my life, man, I asked my grandmother for a dollar or something and she didn't have it to give it to me. Mm-hmm. And I got mad and she looked at me and she goes, all I do for you, all I do for you. Hmm. And you're upset with me because I can't right now give you a dollar. And the look on her face, boy, yeah. it told me up. How old were you? Um, I was probably in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably in high school. And that feeling that I got was like, man, I never want to hurt this woman again. Because yeah. then you start to, it was a moment I got to really stop and reflect. Like, my God, you do do a lot for me. Mm. Why the hell am I getting mad because of a dollar? Yeah. You know, Um but when you're kids, you want what you want. If you can't get what you want, you throw a fit to try to get it. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was times before then where I could throw a little fit and she would, you know, give me a dollar or whatever. But that time, mm-mm. And I think after that, um, I just wanted to make her proud. I wanted her to be happy, you mm-hmm. know. Um, um, so, yeah, it's not my mother, my grandmother's voice, but it's the emotion that I feel. How much? So she's she's gone. Yep, she passed she, away in 2006. Gone. Yep. So she saw some of it. Like she saw, so by 2006, mm-hmm. you've been on some stages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you, you, you're bam, I was bam. doing my thing, yeah, yeah. Um, Did she get to experience you like on stage, doing your thing, being? She never got to see me perform, ever. ever. Um, but she was proud of me. Hmm. You know, my grandmother was like, um, how can I say? My grandmother already knew I was kind of a rebel. In a sense, mm-hmm. whereas I wasn't going to be the guy that you're going to say, okay, sit at a desk and this is your job from nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and here goes some paperwork and here's a computer and here's your phone and have at it. It wasn't going to work for me. I was breaking out of that box. Yeah. And she knew that early on in life. Um, so my grandmother's thing was, uh, you know, if whatever you want to do, do it. Just make sure you ain't hurting nobody. You ain't hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's something you can do for the rest of your life. So I was like, I want to do comedy. She's like, all right, have at it. Mm-hmm. So by me just doing what I wanted to do, I think that made her proud because it was something that most people in my family had not done and still don't do, and that's do what they want to do. Mm. They've been working so hard trying to pay bills mm-hmm. that they're not experiencing life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think she was proud of me for that. Yeah. You know. Now, granted, it was a trade. I got to find a way to pay these bills. <laughs> <laughs> Because early in the game in comedy, it ain't a whole lot of money, man. Yeah. You know, but but the experience, man, so rich. 
I mean, so rich. How, all right, so to do comedy, mm -hmm. how did how did you even know that was a thing? Was it you had to see something, hear something? What gave you a hint? Oh, that's a that's a job. Like folks get paid to do that. Um, I think one of the first shows that I watched that really got me intrigued in comedy was Showtime at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. And I could watch Showtime at the Apollo and I would see singers come on and mm -hmm. things of that nature, but I was really waiting for the comedian. And the comedian primarily came on right after Amateur Night. Mm -hmm. You know, so you had Amateur Night. When Amateur Night sometimes would have one comedian, but sure. then they would get booed off. <laughs> um, and then after that, so I would see people like, uh, i never forget, Chris, um, what is Chris like? Chris, Chris Thomas watching his set on the Apollo, and he's a buddy of mine now, but mm -hmm. watching his set on the Apollo was a set that really grabbed me. Yeah. Um, and there was other comedians, but that was the format. But then, you know, before that, though, elementary school, I was rapping. I was a rapper. I was in a rap group called Three of a Kind, man. We was, <laughs> hey, hey, we had plans, dog. All right, let's go back. Three yeah. of a Kind. Yeah. Who's in the group? What's the lineup? Me, my homeboy, Adisa. Shout out to Adisa. <laughs> and uh, my homeboy, our homeboy, Rodney. Uh, rest in peace, Rodney. Wow. Um, so we were the three. Adisa lived a block over. Yeah. Rodney lived his fence. The, it was my house, an alley. A fence mm -hmm. and Rodney's house. All right. So Rodney's backyard was you walk out his backyard, you walk to my driveway. Got it. Um and so we we was we was the rap group. And you know, we Did you have a DJ? It. Who played the, is this So three? Rodney was the DJ. All right. He and doubled we, up. Yeah. And me and uh Adisa, we were the rappers. Oh, all right. Yeah. So you had, you had, yeah. had a whole run DMC kind of yeah. inspired yeah. setup. Yeah, so and we did that um for a while and then uh I don't know why they stopped. How it stopped? <laughs> I think I think it probably stopped because Rodney ended up going to another middle school. Okay, like that was out of the hood. Yeah, uh, his mama, she, as all of our parents cared about him, but his mama could care and do. So sure. she got him out of there. Yeah, um, which is amazing because she got him out of there. But he was the one that got murdered. Huh. He, he was protected the most in that scenario, but he was the one that got wow. caught up. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. I just my first time thinking about that. But then after that, I get to high school, and I'm still rapping a little bit. But then I started singing, mm -hmm. you know, because singing that that do something for the ladies, and I'm trying to get some <laughs> ladies, you know. Uh, so who, was, who did you try to? A lot of us that perform, mm -hmm. whether it's singing, rapping, any of the things, we emulate. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you emulating? Um, who, I, who are you I trying to be? I think the like? songs I was singing. I was always competing in the citywide talent show. So every the high schools mm -hmm. would have their own talent show, and then they would pick somebody from their high school to go compete against all the other high schools in the city. And there mm -hmm. were 10 high schools in the city. So pretty big talent shows. Um, and the songs I remember singing was, first year I sung a Will Downing song. Hmm. Um, and then the next year I sang me, my homeboy Ephraim, and my homeboy Rashawn and Cedric Sparks. Shout out to Cedric Sparks. He almost won mayor. He almost ran for mayor in Birmingham. Um, we uh, did Jodeci. Stay. <laughs> Baby, won't you just stay? <laughs> and then in the middle, we stopped, went behind stage, changed, like took our shirts off, walked out, <laughs> and we had these Oakland athletic shirts, and we started dancing, man, and we got disqualified because you couldn't do two talents. <laughs> you could only do one talent. Because of the dancing? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. If we would have danced while we were singing, it would have counted. But oh, you just, we oh, you did a routine. You can't yeah. argue the whole. Yeah. And okay, the music yeah. changed and everything. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we got disqualified. But um, so I danced. I was in a band, uh, played a lot of uh, instruments in the band. What'd you uh, play? Um, elementary school, I started off with the trumpet. Okay. Um, got to, played that all the way up through middle school, got to high school. First year, freshman year, I put the trumpet down doing, I mean, doing marching band season, doing mm -hmm. football season. So this was in the first two, three months of school and started playing bass drum. Yeah. Um, Which, what number of bass drum were you? Um, the, the last one. That was number two. I was... In, I, whatever, four? four. Uh, six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I was... The not, last one. Yeah, the, the last, last one. one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, I just started picking up instruments, man, and started just tinkling with them. So I started to learn how to play the saxophone. So what I would do... Is, then I picked up the tuba. So I started mm -hmm. playing tuba my sophomore year. And okay. that became my main instrument yeah. uh, throughout the rest of my high school. Um, 
band years. And I ended up getting a band scholarship to Alabama A&M to play the tuba. And, wow. di- and didn't take it. Didn't take it. Mm. Um, then, um, But I played saxophone. My man Sean and I used to switch. I'd give him my trumpet. He'd give me his sax. Um, I'd go home, learn how to play the sax. Mm-hmm. I played trombone some. Um, so me and Gary used to switch horns. So I would switch horns with people just so I can go home and play something else. Yeah. Of course, it's the hood, so we can't afford all this. Sure. Right. So that's how we used to do it, man. Um, and even now, I, I play set drums, bass, um, piano. I started playing piano in high school. That's a funny story because I'll tell you that story. <laughs> uh, and I played bass, keyboard, um, trumpet. I still can play the tuba. Um, I still can play set drums. And, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Um, but I'm I'm proficient at trumpet, tuba, okay. and keyboard. Yeah. Um, um, bass guitar, I just picked that up because somebody left one at the Hippodrome one night and never came <laughs> back and got it. So right. I, yeah, picked it up and started tinkling with it. Now, I, I know about five songs. Okay. Um, but the keyboard, so let me tell you the story. So I started playing the keyboard because... This is this is a grab your coffee story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we gonna take sips. I started playing the keyboard because this girl I liked was in the jazz band, mm. and they needed another keyboard player. And I was sitting in the band room one day, and Mr. Stewart was like, "Yeah, we needed a keyboard player. You know, Michael White. You know any other keyboard players?" And I was like, "Oh man, Tanya play keyboard." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I know another keyboard player. Me. I ain't never touched keyboard in my life." <laughs> No one keys mean or nothing. So he said, all right, we're cool. And so we get, we get, and I look at her music. I look at my music. I realize we have the same music. Hmm. So I'm like, dope. Mm-hmm. Turn my keyboard down. Every concert we would play, every practice we would play, it would be her playing. And I, so Mr. Stewart, you know, we might be practicing. He'd be like, all right, give me that key. And so she'll put the key down, and I'll move my fingers. And he's like, all right, Michael, you give me that key, and I'll do it. So mm-hmm. he thought I could play piano until the Lord got away. Lord got away. The Lord has a way of revealing <laughs> the devil in me. Man, we had a concert at a middle school and jazz concert, and Tanya was sick. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 the whole concert, man, we playing the band, playing, and I'm, I got my keyboard turned down. I'm kind of pecking, and my band already looking at me, shaking his head. He's looking at me, telling me to turn it up, and I'll turn it up, and I hit two or three keys. And when I hit two or three keys, he'll look at me, like you know. And the band, it was, a, it was the crappiest concert ever because everybody in the band knew I didn't know how to play keyboard. <laughs> So the whole time they watching Mr. Stewart direct the band and looking at me. So everybody's laughing and trying to play and laugh. And then it came down to a moment, dog, where the keyboard had a solo. <laughs> it's the moment of truth. So the he band is. comes down. He brings the band down, and then he points at me, and I point it back. To him. <laughs> you just point back. <laughs> so he looked at me. Then he pointed at me again. And I looked at the band, and man, at this point, you hear instruments dropping. Like you, you hear people like leaning over the chairs. You, I mean, it was it was a catastrophe, dog. Uh, so I took my finger, man, and put it on the top of the keyboard. Did you and just, just and just ran my finger down the keyboard and ran it back up and pointed back at Mr. Stewart. And Mr. Stewart looked at me, and he looked at the band, and he pointed the band for the last note. You know that? Yeah. It was the worst last note you ever heard in your life. And afterwards, Mr. Stewart, like, Michael, wait, what's wrong with you today? I was like, Mr. Stewart, I, I'm sick. You know, I'm sick. I just, he was like, do you know how to play the, key- you know what? Turn your keyboard on. Play this music. I'm going to sit right here and listen to you. I just like, Mr. Stewart, I don't know how to play the keyboard, man. <laughs> Why the hell you been doing this all this time? I mean, I was trying to learn. I just wanted to learn this, that, and that. But yeah, that was, that was my exposure keyboard story. Yep. But That's- it was because of a girl. Same thing got me to play volleyball. The things. Well, all right. So volleyball. That's and you still like you're you're coaching now. Mm -hmm. This is a thing you still do. Um, What what was the what was the hook for volleyball? Um, High school, um, young lady. That well, our so there was a team called Youth Games. There was this thing called Youth Games, Mm -hmm. and Youth Games is when um, they would get 
I think it was 29 cities across the United States of America okay. that will get kids 14, 10 to 14. Um, and they will put them on all these different games from basketball, baseball, softball, men's and women basketball, bowling, tennis, um, gymnastics, um, volleyball, uh, probably like four or five, track, track mm-hmm. and field. Um, so you would just go to this one city. And it was like a Junior Olympics. Mm-hmm. And all that, you know, you walk in with your kids. I mean, it was a big deal. So the volleyball team practiced at the high school I went to. Okay. And my middle school PE teacher and my high school, um, and a high school PE teacher, which was our high school volleyball coach, were the coaches. Mm-hmm. So I was walking through the gym one day, and Miss Stuttered was like, yo, Michael White, you want to play volleyball? Now, I lived in the hood hood, like the hood hood, right? Like, George, if you put George with Ann Armstrong together, they still couldn't still. shake a stick mm. at the buffoonery that happened at my school. Um, so you can imagine this environment. Now you're asking this young black male to come play volleyball. No. <laughs> I'm not. No. That's yeah. not what's happening. No. I'm, no, I'm not playing volleyball. No. I'm, I'm, I'm basketball. That's what I do. So instead of like, well, just think about it. I was like, nah, I ain't playing no volleyball. I walk outside. Get to class about two or three periods later, and Tra- Tracy Pruitt. I had a, man. I had another. Ooh, I had a crush on Tracy, Tracy Pruitt. Pruitt. Uh, we met in the choir, uh, Ping Choir, and uh, Tracy came to me. She said, "Micah," she said, "Miss Stutter said you might be playing volleyball with us." I said, "Us." us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "You on the volleyball team?" She was like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well, what the hell? All right. I'm on the volleyball team." <laughs> So I made the, I tried out for the volleyball team. I made it. Mm-hmm. After I made it, um, we go to Atlanta, uh, play against all these different cities: Boston, um, Richmond, Cincinnati. Um, and when I got back to Richmond, we had this big thing. So they had all these newspaper clippings, and my grandmother had clipped a bunch of newspaper clippings because they had followed us the whole week that mm-hmm. we were in Atlanta. And man, I had gotten written up probably four or five times mm. about volleyball stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe I can play this game. So then I met this white guy on the team called named Michael Sheblon. Uh, Michael Sheblon was playing for a club team, but it was way out in BFE, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. It was probably like from Petersburg to Short Pump. Okay. And and that was the demographics too. Mm-hmm. The hood in Petersburg is where I lived, and he lived in the best neighborhood in Short Pump. Yeah. And um, – so I went out, tried out for this team that was out there. Never thought I would make it. My sister lived close to there, um, and she wasn't my actual butt blood sister. Um, that's another story. Wow. Um, she was the sister to the family that initially started raising me. Mm-hmm. So she lived out there. So I would spend a night at her house, and she started taking me back and forth to volleyball practice. Mm. And then that's when that the Hurd family, Michael Hurd, yeah. his family started to take me in. So that was like how volleyball yeah. came into the picture. So now... I coach high school volleyball, James River High School. So it's, I really thought basketball was going to be my thing, but volleyball has become God's thing through me. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. What when did you your grandmother sows the seed of your of your faith and what you believe and mm-hmm. and beginnings of morality, right and wrong, all of that. Mm-hmm. And now you have a sense of God and the creator and a sense of I guess kind of purpose and yeah. You mentioned volleyball. That's a that's a yeah. God kind of thing in your yeah. life. Do you remember how that kind of shaped and formed for you that you added a layer of faith to to all the many dimensions of the person that you are? How faith became yeah. a part of my life? Um questions, man. I was always an inquisitive kid, mm-hmm. you know. Um I've always been an inquisitive person. I've always wanted to know. And I've always been one that's never been settled with an answer that has no proof mm. so or had or i haven't been shown proof yeah um so i'm a digger so when you tell me there's a heaven and a hell i i, I wasn't a kid that's just gonna go with that okay i hear you mm-hmm. but show me well you just gotta have faith ah, i just don't believe th- this this man or thing or whatever it is y'all call god if he was so loving would leave me out in the cold to have me confused. Mm-hmm. So um, my grandmother went to a primitive Baptist church, which is, you know, they wash feet every first Sunday, mm-hmm. do circumvent. Um, 
but it's more of a laid back, good church, mm-hmm. but more of a laid back church. The Garrett family, they went to a Pentecostal church. So, you know, you jump in, you hoop in, you mm-hmm. hollering, you swinging from the rafters, um, um, your wig fall off. If somebody else pick it up, they can put it on. It, it, you know, it was it was one of those churches, and and the white family went to a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. So it was way more um, laid back, way more. Uh, um, it was like step after step after mm-hmm. step. It didn't seem as free. It seemed more regimented, mm-hmm. um, to the point, if yeah. you will. Um, and, and like I said, a lot more calm. So being able to look at all these three different dynamics of religion and dynamics of ways of worshiping and dynamics of beliefs mm-hmm. um, created even more questions. Because now I'm like, well, who is going to heaven or hell? Mm. You know, are you? Uh, are, uh, so then I started to realize, I, then I started to question, like, Man, this this guy thing ain't real. Yeah. You know, you got to go all the way there sometimes. Like, this ain't real. And then that's when the revelation started to happen. Mm-hmm. When I emptied myself from everything that had been put into me. Not that it went away, but when I just mentally and emotionally got away from that mm-hmm. and got into my own sort of vision of what spirituality and God is and just went to not believing at all. I'm not going to believe anything. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm done with the dogma that other people have put on me. Yeah. And now I'm able to either A, prove myself right or prove God right. Or God will prove God self right. Mm-hmm. And God prove God self right. Yeah. But in a different way. You know, like I do youth ministry now at St. Peter Baptist Church. Um, and yesterday in church, I got the middle school kids. And, you know, yesterday in church, these kids, I've been doing it for a year now. Now these kids are starting to open up to me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They're starting to get used to me because we only do it once a month. So, you know, that's only 12 times. And I probably missed two or three times for other um, commitments. Mm -hmm. But now, but then yesterday, man, we was talking and a kid asked, um, she, she said, Mr. White, if you commit suicide, no, no. They said, if you commit suicide, you going down and you know what. That's what the kid said. Yeah. So another kid was like, yeah, if you commit suicide, you going down and you know what. And then another kid, yeah, if you, if you, yeah, yeah, if you going, you, you mm-hmm. don't, you know, the H E double hockey sticks and all them pointing down to the floor because you know they don't want to say the word hell because in their mind hell is a bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect that. Yeah. Um, but then I had like two other kids that was like, nah, I ain't buying that. Hmm. And I'm looking at those two other kids like, yo, y'all going to be all right. Yeah. You know? Um, so then they turned to me and said, Mr. Micah, if you commit suicide, did you go to hell? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, what in the hell <laughs> <laughs> do I tell them? Yeah. You know? Because you don't want to confuse them. Right. It's early in life. Yeah. St. Peter's a pretty conservative church mm-hmm. so a lot of conservative views and and when i i'm one of those people feel like i have my own beliefs but if i'm in your space i i though i'm not gonna not have my beliefs i still don't want to disrespect that which you may be um believing and, mm-hmm. and teaching yeah um so i said um i said i'm not gonna give you all the answer i said i'm gonna just give you stuff to think about mm-hmm. you know and that was probably tuning in my grandmama yeah. You know, no, I'm not going to give you the answer. I'm going to mm-hmm. just give you these things to think about. Then you go off and mm-hmm. figure it out for yourself. You might figure it out today, tomorrow. You might be 50. Mm-hmm. But let me give you these things and, yeah. and go. Um, so I gave him a couple of things to think about. Um, but for me, like, I don't believe that suicide, you go to hell. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Um, I don't No, that doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense to me mm-hmm. that somebody would even think that. Mm-hmm. But... Conservative religions, um, religious people do. They sure. believe that. Yeah. Um, so that's like been my journey. Because when I was a kid, I thought that. Yeah. But now that I'm an adult, and I think it came from that emptying space mm-hmm. that made me start to realize what God is and who God is for myself.
what do you what do you still as a as a grown man now mm-hmm. what are you still learning about god like what's well, I'm what you, learning. What are you still trying to understand? I'm learning that it's not what I die knowing. It's what, when I die, it's what I leave behind for others to continue to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about dying and being like, all right, got to figure it out. Here's my memo. You know, mm-hmm. peace. I'm out. It's about, all right. This is how far I got with the understanding that I could get. Yeah. Here, here are the things that I can say I feel strongly about. Here are the things that I can say that I don't think is true at all. And here are the things that I'm still in the middle. I'm still confused. And I think the strongly thing would probably be about 2%. Mm-hmm. The things that I'm just totally dismissing would probably also be about 5%. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be about that 87%, 83% that I'm – I don't know, man. So yeah. I'm going to leave this behind. Here's my research. Go and figure it out. Yeah. You know, so that's it, why I am with it. It's something how the older we get, the more comfortable we get with with not knowing. Not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was, there was so much of our – so we were in high school, and you kind of had to know what you wanted to be when you were going to grow up. You mm-hmm. had to pick a college. You had to know what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Then you do college, and you had to get a job. Mm-hmm. And you had to start a career. Mm-hmm. But you kind of had to know what you wanted to do. Yep. And then you had to pick a partner. Yep. And you kind of had to know what you wanted to do. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> but I'm okay not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the switch in applying faith to the unknown. So mm. what I do know is God is faithful. Yes. That's what I know. Yes. Yes. I eat every day. My girl eats every day. We got a house. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know the rest. And 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 how awesome is God that that things are so automatic. You know, because I think in the beginning I was looking at this big thing like yeah. trying to see this this immaculate picture of of God and I'm waiting to hear this booming voice, the yeah. Micah and you know you wait for these you have these scenarios in your head. But then I started to realize God is speaks so subtly yeah you know it's not about the big message or the mm-hmm. big bomb that you're waiting to come um the good bomb but it's about subtle you know i can be pissed off and upset about something having an, an extremely bad day but mm-hmm. if i chew my food and swallow it the body still does what the body does mm-hmm. in spite of you right. know little things like that yeah you know that's pretty awesome yeah you know um then as I started to pay attention to the work that I do to make things happen, but then the, what ends up happening that's greater than anything I put into making it happen. You're like, oh, okay, that's a God moment. Yeah. Um, and then you start to realize more and more of those. Um, but, yeah, I, I think not knowing, it's a beautiful thing when you embrace ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, um, because – that's when you start to grow. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad when you think you got it figured out because now you're stuck. Right. You know, I told the kids yesterday two things I would say that every man and woman should have is a high willingness to learn mm-hmm. and a high willingness to accept change. Those two things I feel like are critical mm-hmm. to life. Um, and I held up a pen and I said, you know, here's a pen. If you read a book about this pen, Every day for a thousand years, no breaks, no sleep, no vacation. When you died, it'll still be more to read about this pen than you ever read about it. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you feel like you got it figured out? And and they were like, well, I guess you got a point. So what you should do, what should you do? Continue to learn. Mm-hmm. I said, but here's the other side of it. A lot of people continue to learn, but they can't accept change. Mm-hmm. So you might as well stop learning. Because if 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 I tell you... Two plus two equal five, and you hear it. Two plus two equal five. 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 Then all of a sudden, you continue to learn. You continue mm-hmm. to learn. Then one day, you're like, uh, oh, two plus two equal four. Well, that makes sense, but I'm going to stay with two plus two <laughs> equal five. <laughs> I mean, it's like you right. can't accept change. Yeah. So you're still stuck. Yeah. So you're really not learning. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to prove yourself right. Yeah. And anything that proves you wrong, you're going to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to have a high willingness to accept change. 
you are a um, multi-dimensional, super complicated person, which I appreciate because <laughs> I can relate to it. Um, <laughs> exactly. One of the pieces, and this is a newer piece for you because mm-hmm. you're, you're living this out differently. You're you're living life very differently as now a man responsible for another human. Yes. In a very different oh, way than, uh, than, yeah, you, yeah. than you did before. Um, how did that? How did it? How as a dad? How does that change? Probably everything, but like as you first think of man as a dad, now I, now I gotta. You know, um, sort of sharing a little bit of that story for, you know, a lot of people know, some people don't know. So, my daughter's born. Um, shout out to Naya. That's who actually literally just texted me. She must hey, be you cuter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I was uh, on tour. Uh, incredibly looking girl on the front row. Hung out with her. She was any heartbreak. Oh my god, she was. She she is. <laughs> I mean, my daughter's mom is is drop dead gorgeous. Um, hung out with her that night. One thing led to another. She's so gorgeous that I knew I wasn't. I I passed up what I thought. Could be, and you know, you're 25 years old. So sure. you, you you ripping and running. You yeah. on tour, yeah. living a superstar life. So you're looking at women like, all right, who's gonna be the victim tonight? Um, and so I'm looking at this girl, good looking girl that I just was like, you know, I know I can hit that tonight. You know, I got that. Right. But this other girl was so gorgeous. I'm like, man, I know I'm not gonna hit this, mm-hmm. but I just want to spend time with this woman. Mm-hmm. And I did. And then, long story short, I got lucky. If you will. Mm. Um, and then, um, so she called me back. Um, and I'll say this part. I don't want to think I'm dirty. So went to Bruhman. You know, Reginald, Gore, Reginald yeah. Ballard from yeah. Um, Martin. Yeah. From the fifth floor. Bruhman from the fifth yeah. floor. Went to Bruhman and asked for a condom once I found out that it was about to go down. Yeah. And one thing, one piece of advice I give the world. Never, fellas, never get a condom from a happily married man. Hmm. That probably been in his wallet since he was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What's funny is I think he was shocked to know that he had one. I think he pulled out his wallet as a joke, like, "Oh, right. I got one. Huh. I, I, I do have one." <laughs> well, here you go, and gave it to me. Um, and then um, I never forget when I went to the bathroom. It was sitting there like a little turtleneck. I said, "We <laughs> got a problem." <laughs> this kind of not ready. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't ready. So. Long story short, a month later, she calls. She goes, look, we don't know each other. Um, I'm pregnant. I was like, you know, if it's by me, we, you know, I had that part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about having an abortion, but I felt like I should be respectful and let you know that, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant. So I, we don't know each other at all. Um, and so I said to her, well, you know, I don't believe in abortions. However, I do believe that you have the right to do whatever you feel is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you need somebody, if you're wondering whether I'm going to have your back or not, I got your back. So she called me back like two days later and was like, all right, I'm going to have a kid. So I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, dope. About to have this kid. Yeah. So we had we had our daughter. Um, fast forward. First birth. I wasn't there when my daughter was born because mm-hmm. um, she was in Colorado. First birthday, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Second birthday, she's here. Mm-hmm. Third birthday, I missed, but shortly after the third birthday, my daughter moved here mm-hmm. to be with me. Mm-hmm. So her fourth birthday was here in Richmond with, mm-hmm. with me. And um, at this time, my daughter's mother was involved in a relationship with this man. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think that it was going to be an issue because he is actually who brought my daughter here to me. Mm. Um but I do remember it was sort of weird because I was like, you know, hey, man, your flight is eight o'clock in the morning. Your flight don't leave until two o'clock. You know, let me take you to breakfast, you know, because I'm not mm. beefing. Right. I'm like, But yeah. you're going to be the dude that's going to be around my daughter probably yeah. more than me. So um, I'm going to get to know you. Yeah. Nah, I don't want no breakfast. Well, you know, bruh. We was at Newport News Airport. It ain't nothing around here. <laughs> it ain't like you can roam the different shops. Sure, and do, right. No, you, you, come on, man. I got you. I'm good. All right. So fast forward months later, my daughter wasn't, my daughter's mother, 
I was still paying child support. Yeah. So I had my daughter, but mm-hmm. I was still paying child support. Yeah. And the moment I spoke about a deal that we had made and that wasn't happening at the time, I spoke about it, hung up the phone. She called me back. was like, we coming to get Naya. And I'm like, huh? It was Easter, April. Mm-hmm. Um, Easter, what was that, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was like, all right, well, whatever, whatever. So they came and got her. Of course, there's a lot more to that story, yeah. but they come and get her. Um, and what had happened was, from what my understanding is, and I haven't talked to my daughter's mom about this, and I haven't talked to the guy about it, so I don't know if this is accurate, but allegedly he told her that if they got married, which they did get married, mm-hmm. that I had to be totally out the picture. Mm. So my daughter goes back to Colorado. We're still in contact. Mm-hmm. But primarily we're in contact because of her grandmother, mm-hmm. not because of her, Yeah, not because of my daughter's mother. So then all of a sudden, communication cut off Yeah, totally. I don't know where they live. I don't know a phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, the grandmother, she's fighting in court to try to get grandmother's rights. Um, it was a mess, dog. Yeah. And um, so when my daughter was 12, now keep in mind I hadn't talked to her since she was four. Mm. So when my daughter was 12, um, her grandmother, or yeah, her grandmother, which is my daughter's mother, mother, she was at the house one day and was like, "Hey, you know, you got a real dad out there." And mm. Naya was like, "Vaguely, I remember it, but I really, I really, because mm. it wasn't even like, according to Naya, like I was being bad mouth. They was acting like I didn't even exist. Yeah, like that was." No mention of me at all. So what Naya did, Naya, this is how smart this girl is. Um, she, her grandmother showed her a clip of me performing mm-hmm. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. She wrote down my name in code where, like, it, it, like so since my name is M-I-C-A-H, mm-hmm. on a piece of paper it was like K-L-M-O-Q-I-L-A-H. It, I mean, she was, mm-hmm. she, and she did it that way, that way if her, mother or stepdad found this piece of paper, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to dissect the fact that she had found out who her real dad was. So she was 12 at the time. So I'm following her through, she has this writer's, this poetry thing that she has online and um, she has this uh, uh, SoundCloud. So I'm listening to her sing. I found her on YouTube. And I'm like, man, this is pretty dope. So then all of a sudden, man, one day on Facebook, I was in Tidewater. I never forget that. I was in Tidewater. Now, keep in mind, I had been trying to fight through the courts. I've been yeah. trying to send for visitations. Mm-hmm. I, you know, um, uh, attorneys for dads. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm going to all, the all, all yeah. those little things I yeah. can try to figure out that I can do logistically and financially. Um, and it's just none of it was working. So I'm like, all right. So in my mind, I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm following her through social media. I'm following her through. Thank God for Google. Um, I know what high school she goes to. Mm-hmm. When she graduates, I'm going to be at her graduation. And after she walks off, I'm just going to walk up to him and say, hey, I'm your daddy. And she could do one of two things. Look at me like I'm crazy, slap me, spit at me, say, hey, call the police. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen after this. But at that stage, I said that once you graduate, I'm I'm, I'm at it. Because I felt like if I had showed up before, I can get locked up. That could become a real problem. Well, I'm in Tidewater, man, a couple of years ago, about three, four years ago, and her grandmother called me. I hadn't talked to her grandmother in years. Mm-hmm. Her grandmother gives me a call and was like, hey, you really need to be back in Naya's life. And I'm like, man, you, you, you're telling me. Man, still, they were like, well, the sister was on the phone, because Naya has an older sister. Mm-hmm. And the sister was like, who happens to be a social worker? And was like, yeah, Naya's been going through some trauma, has been some mm-hmm. issues. You know, the two older kids are out the house, um, but it's still two left, Naya and her little sister. Um, the two older kids, their father lived in Denver, so mm-hmm. he fought after they got married in the court system. He had to go through the same process, but the luxury he had was that he lived yeah. in Denver. Um, they were like, well, she's going through a lot. And I said, well, I just want to talk to her. They were like, all right, we got to figure this thing out first. So I'm like, all right, can I talk to her now? No, I can't talk to her you know, so mm. 
I don't know how I don't know if that was a more happy time or a more stressful time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like sitting in this room and you haven't spoke to somebody in years, but you can hear them on the other side of the wall. Yeah. And you know, and you're like, well, I just want to go over there. Like, nah, you can't go over there. What, what do you mean I can't go over there? Yeah. So it was that type feeling. Um, and then one day, man, I'm sitting at Mama J's. Me and my homeboy, Dar- DJ DNS. Shout out to DNS. Um, sitting at Mama J's, July 19th, uh, 2017. And I look at Instagram, and my daughter was following me on Instagram. <laughs> and that, yeah. so I sent her a message immediately, like, yo, um, you know, like, yeah. I didn't mean for this to happen, yada, yada, yada. And she sent me a message back saying, a lot's going on in my life right now, but I'll be in touch. So fast forward, July 22nd, I'm getting out. I was producing a show at the VMFA called mm-hmm. um, After Hours. You're yep. familiar with After Hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting out the car at 12 o'clock, doing, about to do sound check, load in, and my phone rang. And it was an L.A. number. I mean, a, sorry, uh, Denver number. And it was my daughter. Yeah. It was my first time talking to her. So now that responsibility. So then, in the beginning, I was like, I'm your dad. Stop doing this. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, I'll be smart over here. And, you know, I'm like, you know, uber dad trying to, yeah. you know, lay down this, you know, this this knowledge and, and guidance. And she was like, oh, partner, <laughs> I don't really know you, man. Yeah. So these things you telling me to do, huh? I don't I don't know you, bro. And not only that, her parents had used discipline to manipulate her mm-hmm. so much that trauma yeah. has been had now become involved in correction. And that's a tough yeah. thing. So she totally distanced herself back away from me. But God was like, nah, bro, hold down. Yeah. This is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. So then we started to talk again. We started to talk. We started to build. Then um, I went there for Christmas, saw her. Very first time I saw her was Christmas Day 2017 um, um, in Colorado. And it wasn't like this big hug and cry. I was like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Gave her a hug. We Mm -hmm. sat down at the kitchen table. And I'm sitting in this house watching my daughter be raised by two white families in addition to her regular family. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you're being raised by three families. Well, damn. Let's come back around. Like, yo, this is insane. Yeah. Um, even to think about it now, it's like, wow. So I kept telling my daughter, like, look, you are me. You just have no idea how much of you and I have in common mm-hmm. as it pertains to life. So when I tell you things that I'm telling you, I'm not telling you this because, um, I'm some lay down the hammer type dude. I'm telling you because I know like I know like I know like I know. Yeah. This has been my life. Um, but then because I know like I know like I know like I know, I also have to tell myself, well, you know how she's going to go through this process. Mm. And you're just now going to have to be your grandmother. It ain't about yes or no. It's about putting the information out there for her to be able to think about. And now she's starting to come around. So she's her first year of college. I did go to her graduation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Showed up at the graduation. And what's crazy about it, mom didn't come to the graduation. So I haven't talked to mom yet. Wow. Yeah, since me and my daughter, my daughter and I have been back together. Mom has not mm-hmm. come around at all. Mom does know that we're back together. Okay. okay. Um, because she wanted to come here to Virginia to see me, and mom told her no. Okay. Um, she said, well, she didn't tell her no. She said she's not going to give her consent. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, being a dad, man, now it's, it's really – it's hard because you want to be a dad, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. I have a maternal connection because she was with me when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. I was around her. Yeah. She doesn't have a paternal connection mm-hmm. because she was four. Yeah. She has no true recollection of mm-hmm. what was shown in the bond that was created in that, in that time, um, but she thinks I'm cool. Like, you know, she, you know, yeah. she show her friends my videos. Yeah. She see my Instagram posts and she's kind of like, damn, my, my dad's pretty cool, <laughs> you know? And I think that's kind of bringing her around. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's a special thing. It's a sweet thing. And, you know, I tell a lot of people, that girl, you know, people be like, well, man, that girl needs you. She needs you. And I'm like, man, but y'all have no idea how much I need her. Yeah. 
it's it's truly a give take. Yeah. You know. Um but it's it's cool. It's cool. I I I appreciate the um the season of life where you realize the role that you have to play in that season. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cuz it it changes. Yes. Like for right now in this season this is what you have to be. Yep. Right? And in 5 years and you may play a different, different. role. Yep. Um, but it's that sensitivity to what's happening in this season, what's my role now. Mm-hmm. And especially as dads, we can get real frustrated, right? My daughter's 12, and I, like, I deeply appreciate her mom and our relationship and mm-hmm. all the things that happens in our family together. But there was a season where I was, I felt like I was fighting. Wow. Right. Fighting her because there was no trust. Mm-hmm. Fighting myself because I didn't know what in the world was going on with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And just trying to create a space that I thought would be good for this young child. Mm-hmm. There was that season. And then I got a little more comfortable. A little more comfortable with her mom telling me how to do her hair. <laughs> and me not taking it as a knock against me and yeah. who I am as a dad. There you go. You just don't know how to do her hair. Let me just show you how to do it. So you know how to do it right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing about that season versus now, where as much as we defer to each other, mm-hmm. right, I got it, you got it. What are we going to do together And this cooperation? But then figuring out, but I got a 12-year-old who can talk and communicate and say stuff and shut down and mm. be upset yeah. and be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just going to get worse <laughs> from yeah. here. Yeah. And what are the conversations that we need to have? together and the kind of bond that we need to have as daughter and as dad in this season to set up whatever in the world's coming out in the next one. So you're you're in that now. In that season right now, yeah. You know, where you're like, okay, this is this is what we gotta do for this point. Yeah. Um I I end all these all these episodes with, with hope. Uh, I think about the things that I hope for people who are listening, but I also think about us as a, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about Richmond, our lives in Richmond and who mm-hmm. we are and all the many, many things that we do. So we're going to end a well, little part bit. Two. Yeah, part, part two. Yeah, part two. Um, <laughs> what is, as you think about um, men that are listening to us, Yeah. right? And you and I, the number of conversations we have had about guys that don't do nothing and we trying to like, bruh, bruh, come on. Like, <laughs> Bro, just do better. Just <laughs> a little bit better. What 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 kind of hope would you give to a cat that's listening to this and they're like, all right, all right, if I if I'm in this situation, I'm trying to deal with, you know, I'm trying to deal with my child, I'm trying to deal with career, I'm trying to like all the many things that mm-hmm. you're that you've grown in and are still mm-hmm. growing in, like what's a little nugget of hope that you can give to to one of these cats that are listening to us? Um there is a there's a natural bond between you and anybody that is responsible for being on this earth because of you. And sometimes you can't feel it, sometimes you can't see it, sometimes you don't recognize that it is even a thing. But if you continue to desire to have the right relationship with your kids, and you continue to, I'll say, you know, pray about it um, and believe, more importantly, believe that it will happen. Just mm-hmm. know like you know, like you know, like you know. You might not know how, mm-hmm. but just know like you know, like you know, like you know. Eventually, it will happen. Mm-hmm. And know that you're not going to be prepared when it happens. Don't think, oh, I'm setting up. No, you're not going to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's fine. And don't lose faith in yourself when you start to realize, dang, they're back. I'm not prepared. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you think you are prepared, you're going to push that person further away. But not being prepared will allow you to learn how to become one with this person. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start to prepare yourself in a way that it needs to be. But you don't know that right now. Yeah. Um, so just know that there's a natural bond. Even if you haven't talked to them for years, mm-hmm. if you believe like you believe like you believe, um, understand you're not going to be prepared. Um, pray. And then when it does happen, patience. Just be patient. Yeah. And don't make it about the person that may have gotten in between you and your kid, if that's the case. And if it's your fault, and you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? This is 100% my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, don't judge yourself. Don't feel unworthy because that mm-hmm. kid needs you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, and even if it's that kid becomes 26, 27 years old before you actually meet them, you still can play a role yeah. because there's still a missing link for that adult. Mm-hmm. And there's still a trauma space that comes, even if there was another dad there. Mm-hmm. Wow. But you can put as many men in that space as you want to put in that space that may do great things for that kid. But it's not you. Mm-hmm. And that bond is still missing. So I would say uh, just be patient. Believe trust and don't judge yourself yeah i i uh thank you yeah i thank you for a few minutes it's been 50 but i thank you for a few minutes um we are uh going to finish this up and uh i i hope people now get a little deeper understanding of you right what's dope is like when we oftentimes when we see you like you are on you're on the stage mm-hmm. you're making us laugh yeah like you partying with us yeah you know Sometimes you give us something to think about. You're entertaining us. Yeah. Uh, that comes from somewhere. Your 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 innate ability to pull something out of a room and make us laugh about it. That comes mm-hmm. from somewhere. It's, it's a God gift. It, it's a gift. Yeah. But there's there's a cost to that gift. Agreed. Agreed. Right? So you spend a journey listening, understanding. You have a yes. You have a natural gifting, but that you've been through enough things. Like I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Right. And and your ability to tell that story and make us laugh as you tell that story gives us a little bit of comfort, that little bit of break. Yeah. And we go back, go back to what we were doing before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a protect a protection mechanism for me, because, you know, with all the stuff that I went through as a child, um, the lack thereof, if you will, um, I don't like the feeling of pain. Mm hmm. So I had to find a way to not be in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so laughter was the counteraction to that. Yeah. Um, even if I had to make something up just to laugh. Um, but then also being raised in a gang-ridden neighborhood, I started to realize early in life, you know, being hard is not the most powerful source of dominance. Being liked mm. is the most powerful source of dominance. Mm-hmm. Because people that are likable the rest, even the hardest people on earth, protect them. Yeah, you know. So I realized in the hood, be likable. Mm-hmm. You know, let people like you. Um, be funny, and uh, nobody messed with me. They, I, I wasn't pushed to join a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a matter of fact, even at the moment I tried to join a game, I got smacked and was like, "Go home. Mm. This ain't for you, bro. Yeah, you got a future." And I'm like, "No, I don't." And I just told my friend the other day. I was like, man, there's so much in my life I wish I had done differently. And she went, well, why didn't you do it? I said, because I didn't think I was going to live this long. Mm-hmm. I literally, as a kid, didn't think I was going to live a long time because the people around me weren't living yeah. a long time. Um, I mean, if you was an uh, old person, you were lucky the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like 44, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and the way God is working, it's like, oh, okay. And it don't seem like I'm going anywhere anytime soon. So I got to get this together, yeah. you know. Um but, yeah, so my gift comes from defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't going to say my gift comes from defense, but the way I've used my gift mm-hmm. has come from a defense mechanism. And now I'm at the age where um, I'm like, all right, it's bigger than just a joke. However, the joke is the entry level into the space, into the room, into the mind, into the heart. Um, but now that you're there and I've used you to get there, now I need you to do this next thing. Mm-hmm. And now I think I'm transforming not to leave comedy alone, but to add that next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a God thing, but yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing what the next thing is. Me too. <laughs> uh, this is the 40 Lessons Podcast. This is Micah. Bam, bam. White. Brother, Y'all, thank you. Thank you, brother. Y'all continue to listen to my man, Todd. Boy, you got something good going. <laughs> I appreciate it. Make sure you follow Micah White on the social. Comedian, bam. That's who he is on Instagram. You can find his website, mbbwhites.com. So you can check out Micah and all the things that he is doing around the community. Maybe check out his set sometime. He's funny. Makes me laugh. Uh, the event spotlights. Let's make sure we do this every episode. We try to highlight some nonprofit or event in our community that's tied to some great mission. If you would like your organization or event to be highlighted, send me an email, todd at toddbwaldo.com. The event spotlight for this episode is Arttober. We've been talking about it all month long. Going to continue to talk about it. It is this month-long celebration of arts and culture in Richmond. 
and the Tri-Cities. So go to Archtober, A-R-T-O-B-E-R-V-A dot com. Check it out. So many things are going on. Archtober VA on Instagram and all the social spaces. Go check them out. Presented by Culture Works. Trying to increase participation in arts and cultural events in our region. So, October is our spotlight, and we're going to come back next week. New episode of 40 Lessons on Tuesday, so check it out. And I hope that whatever you are doing, you are taking care of yourself, and let's make sure we are taking care of each other. See you next Tuesday right here, 40 Lessons. Mm-hmm.